Weekly News by iGaming Next is brought to you by Playson, quality games since 2012. This episode is sponsored by Zimpler. Good afternoon, good afternoon, Nicola. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing just perfect. I'm doing just perfect. Doing just fine. Uh, first of all, welcome back. The dynamic duo of uh, Pierre Lind and Nico Janssen is back on track. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're back in the, in the online world after meeting live and in person. Thank you once again um, for the experience in, in Barcelona. It was fun. It was really, really fun seeing you and the team. Uh, once again, and um, yeah, looking forward to another um, live session where we have just awesome topics to cover. Absolutely. So, so WDS last week, uh, obviously a really good conference uh, for us both, I believe. And I, I can see that we are both skipping the uh, Amsterdam show that is uh, currently taking place uh, uh, here, but you can't be everywhere at once, I suppose. Uh, and uh, instead, I'm, I'm sitting here in Malta, obviously. I've turned, into a, I've turned into a tomato here in the meantime, 38 degrees here in Malta. Uh, but uh, that's how it is in, in the end of June here. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, Nico, uh, we have a great uh, show uh, in front of us here today, as per usual. And it was funny because when our marketing uh, executive here, um, Elizabeth, asked us for topics a couple of days ago, there wasn't really that much to discuss, actually. But then today and yesterday, everything just uh, exploded here. So we have a full menu ahead of us today. We, we, um, we have a special guest who's going to come on in a couple of minutes uh, here as well, which is uh, Thomas Wendt of uh, uh, Apparat. He will be joining us here a little bit um, on, the on the backs of the news that the YOLO Investments uh, have uh, invested in this um, uh, a German game studio, basically, Apparat. So that will be interesting to, to discuss. Um, then, uh, obviously, we have um, Entain as well, uh, who has been uh, giving out a trading update. And uh, the interesting story of Entain is that uh, they are basically now saying that... Uh, the gambling industry is not recession-proof. Uh, and uh, we're going to go into that story a little bit as well. This has been a debate for quite a long time here, of course. Is the um, gambling industry uh, recession-proof or not? And, uh, and Tain has taken a stab here that it's not recession-proof. So that'll be an interesting discussion. And um, Nico, you are obviously German. And um, a topic that is close to your heart, of course, is the, is the headwinds that we're seeing in your market at the moment. And uh, we are seeing here a story that is developing really surprisingly, that uh, has been flying really under the radar, which is that uh, Betson is uh, significantly scaling back on their operations in Germany. Uh, other than that as well, we, uh, we, uh, we have the fact that the, uh, the Premier League, um, uh, we might be uh, seeing a, a ban on uh, gambling sponsorships uh, here as well, which we're going to go into. Uh, some interesting dynamics happening there, considering, I know that you mentioned, Nico, the fact that uh, Stoke, uh, is owned by a gambling company, Bet365. So um, th th this is also called into question what's going to happen uh, on that side as well. Um, and then uh, we have a, a couple of other topics as well. The fact that uh, uh, the banks could lose big on the 888 de debt sale. It's a story we're trying to understand. It's very financially <laughs> technical, but uh, we, we've been trying to decipher this story a little bit better to, uh, to the audience as well. And then, of course, uh, Kindred is finally entering re-entering the Netherlands market here under, um, under uh, Unibet.nl, um, which was the former kind of one of the most profitable markets of Kindred. So the question is, uh, how are they going to be able to rebuild uh, the database within that market? And as uh, we have comments already here, here alluding to, is um, continued headwinds in Europe. Um, there's other stories that we probably don't have time to cover today, but uh, there's additional headwinds in Romania, for example, where uh, players are now being imposed with a much higher tax on their, on their winnings, for example. So uh, not a great week for the industry per se, but uh, we're still going to decipher and talk about what this means for the industry. What do you think, Nico? Does this sound good to you? It's just, it, it just sounds awesome. To be honest, it just sounds, uh, sounds awesome. And as you already mentioned, we have a little bit of a special guest um, here as, uh, as well. And uh, why don't we just start with your brother from actually the same mother, business-wise? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's a bit of a long shot here. But essentially, YOLO Group, which is, which is our lead investor in Agaminex, have decided to invest uh, into the German uh, game studio Apparat. Uh, so uh, 
uh, we have the special guest, the co-founder Thomas Vant. So, uh, so if uh, we can get him into the live stream here with the flick of a button, there we go. Uh, welcome, Thomas, uh, to uh, to the live stream here today. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Hi, Nico. Hi, Pierre. Um, yeah, fun to hear, hear that I have an unknown brother. Um, so, but I, I, I guess I have a lot of them with the YOLOs. Um, <laughs> and I'm happy to meet them end of this month. So that's the first time going to the YOLOs and um, see all my other siblings. Yeah. Ab Thanks a lot absolutely. for the warm welcome. welcome. Yeah. Absolutely, Thomas. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in person here in Tallinn later on uh, in the month. And we can see, by the way, before we get into up Apparat here and what you guys uh, have produced so far, we can see that you are at IDB Live. Uh, can, can we have some comments so far on how is the show? Is it successful? Has it been a good show so far? Um, like always, um, on the shows, always in, 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 in meetings and not seeing much of the show itself. Um, yes, it's yes. crowded. You get a lot of alcohol. Um, I'm looking a little bit <laughs> deranged from the yesterday evening, so I try to flee <laughs> when it gets too hard. Um, no, um, from our perspective, quite successful. So um, I just rearranged the meeting for you, um, but I still have only around about 15 minutes. Um, but uh, first time for me in Amsterdam, I've been on ICE or in, in, on Sigma or um, iGaming Next. I've been there um, last, last time. So, um, yeah, this, this is a good show. We will, um, we, will, we will be here next year, too. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, uh, Thomas. So, and thank you for rearranging your meetings here. So we're going to keep this short and sweet here now. So, so uh, Nico, I know that you have prepared a couple of questions here. So uh, do, you want to, uh, do you want to start off? Yeah. So uh, first of all, uh, congrat congratulations. Yeah. From from a, a, a German to another German, it's always good if uh, people are uh, actually, you know, um, eager to found their own company and, you know, start things off. Uh, can you walk us a little bit through what Apparat Gaming is uh, is about? Who are you? What's what's the team? So all the things you can you can talk about. Okay, um, like I said, I have only 15 minutes and I'm, I'm kind of um, famous for taking too much on this. I, I try to keep the, a long story short. Um, yeah, you said I'm starting something new. Um, I'm quite old, so, um, so this is um, a little bit um, about my, my own story. Um, because through my university, I started a development studio in game means not gambling, but real gaming, uh, today called serious gaming. A little 10, 10 years um, uh, from the 19th um, and sold this company to, um, to, a t to a listed TV um, producer, which is now part of Viacom. Um, so um, I was a little bit okay. Working um, as, um, in my own company is something completely different than being employed. Afterwards, I did it more than 15 years on other jobs in the gambling industry, but um, I was keen to be kind of self-employed again and take my own risks, take my own chances, and um, nobody else's fault if you, if you fail, so failing is um, not an option right now. Um, <laughs> what we did is, um, or what I did is, um, I, I started after my own company, um, um, working 10 years in kind of land-based for, I don't know, Nico, you may know it, um, Schmidt Gruppe, um, it's one of the, or, yeah, I think still is, um, land-based operators. Um, and I started there um, at an IT company um, and later on changed to, um, to Bali Wolf. Bali Wolf is the number three in the, um, in the German um, slot manufacturer market. And um, I was um, for more than six years, six and a half years, um, managing director responsible for development for the product, games, hardware, software um, for Bali Wolf in direct competition to Gaussmann and Aromatic. Um, it was a very intense time. And that was also the time when we started to take a closer look. Um, me personally, I started 2009, always pushing Schmidt Group. Um, Take a closer line. Online will happen, with or without you. You have to go there. But um, as always, people are a little bit conservative. Um, they feared about cannibal cannibalization of their own markets. Regulation is always an argument. So it went very, very, very slow. And what I saw in parallel, that was a partner of Bali Wolf. Um, we, or I at Bali Wolf as managing director, was also responsible for the online. But um, the, the, the 
owner of Bali Wolf always said, okay, let's move a little bit um, slower and let's see um, what our partner um, was doing. And that was, he's a friend of mine, Dietmar Hermjohannes from Game of Mart. Um, and he was developing really, really well. So what I decided for myself, when the regulation in Germany came to, um, to, to reality, because we've been waiting for that for a few years, what happened now is not the best what could happen to the German market, but still, um, I decided to now take once more my own chances and found my own company. So um, this is not my own, it's, um, it's a team. So um, I know that up to now only Alina and me who are kind of seen in the market. Um, she is um, director and CEO. Um, I'm um, also in, in a few of our companies but um, here visible um, at Apparat. Apparat is our brand out um, to the market. Um, so what we do right now is we still believe in online market, in German online market and do, like Nico is also um, having with the German accent, it was, the slogan was a little bit um, invented by accident in a, in a presentation, but we focus on the German market because it's the market where we come from what we know, land-based, online, we made a few experience. We believe this market could develop. I just read, um, Nico, that um, or I don't know who was um, who of you was the one who said Germany is only number three. I always thought it was number two in the in the European area. Um, Italy probably bigger. I believe in the in the German market, but of course we aim in the German market. So um, that's where we aim for. Um, we are seven co-founders. Um, most of them, or every of them, have been working for partly 10 years, 15 years, more than 15 years. Size, team size um, is actually 11, still searching for more, even um, especially with the money from, from Yodo. Um, of course, we have a few freelancers. Um, and um, up to now, we are we, we got an MGA license November last year. Um, we got Yolo as, um, as, as an investor. We already released four games. Um, we'll do that for the next 12 months, um, 15 games in development. So um, release a, a game each month. We have partners, aggregation partners like um, Pariplay, Relax, United Remote, a few more to be announced within the next days. Um, so it's a um, hard, hard time right now, especially with the German market, but we still believe we have a good chance to find our position there. And once more, I game with a German accent, but we think um, um, much more than, than, than just German market. But we start here with the German market because that's where we have the experience and where we know the player's taste and um, where we can we wanted to get a first step into into the market and therefore uh, we had to build up a kind of portfolio it's um, not the most in innovative one but very good quality um, so we wanted to get some um, uh, foot in the door with all the big um, operators and operators uh, aggregators so my Sorry. time ran up <laughs> no, no, no! All good, all good, all good, all good. Uh, uh, as you already highlighted, so you're you're not the new kids in town. Uh, you're uh, so your overall team are uh, veterans to the iGaming industry, and you specifically now just regrouped as as one team. Um, ha have been funded by by the Yolo Group, who usually uh, or only invest into iGaming companies, you know, the rising stars, there's one rising star, just, uh, you know, I'm happy to share the stage with each and every week, uh, which is a, which is a good thing. Can you just walk us a little bit through how the overall, um, preparations, uh, uh, actually took place and why you specifically, you know, aimed for being funded by the YOLO group? Yeah. Um, to be honest, um, we were young, needed the money. No, um, uh, that's, it means in the beginning when we started um, and when, when I started to leave my kind of um, safe place at, um, at Bali Wolf, it was um, much better paid than this is right now. Um, so um, in the beginning, we were a little bit naive, expecting that everything good would go faster. We would start earning money earlier. Um, for example, MGA license, um, it took us more than a year. Uh, Still, a few people telling us we're quite fast. Um, in the beginning, also told us, hey, this is the best application we ever Then it still took another 11 months. 
Um, so that was, of course, a time when we expected money to come in and without the license and without the possibilities um, to go online, it wasn't. So what we did then, um, we thought, okay, we want to grow. We see the, the chance in the market and we decided to keep up the pace and um, decided to do a financing round, which was not part of the initial plan. And um, as normal investors, normal VCs are not um, interested in gambling for good reasons, um, because they have partners which is forbidden alcohol, gambling, whatever. Um, so we um, wanted to find a partner which could share our vision, vision um, understand what we are doing. We don't have to explain this to him. And what I did is I made a kind of a blind test um, if there would be some interest in us. So what I did is... Um, I found Yolo Group. Um, I just pinged um, Tim on, 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 on LinkedIn. And from that point, um, everything very fast. A little bit too fast for us, because in the beginning, when he said, OK, I'm very interested, um, send over your pitch deck. We didn't even have a pitch deck at that time. It was just, I wanted to find out, is there somebody interested? And if they say no, who else should be? So, but they said yes. And then we had to speed up a little bit. So that was the point. Um, how how it came um so i can relate to that as well uh, uh thomas uh, when we uh, also went through this process with the yola group it was a phone call with him and he said yep this sounds great let's do it and uh and uh, you know a, a couple of days later the contract was signed but, uh, that that's how it is uh, it's fast uh, fast movements uh, with uh, with the yola group and uh, tim knows what he what he likes yeah, and it, in, in the end, we have to admit he was a little bit pushing to be the, the only one um, in, in our first round. And he also offered us a little bit more money. Yeah. Um, the, the, the point was um, we had some other opportunities because, we, of course, we did a pitch deck. We sent it over to uh, some other partners. We had um, possibilities of strategic partners. But what we do is the uh, first thing is we still, of course, now more than ever, um, believe in the company. Um, so we wanted to have as much for our own. Um, that was one part. So one, one big partner, which doesn't limit us for, 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 for later rounds, would be perfect. And the other part was, of course, their experience, um, the, the network, the, the, um, the renome on the market. For us, it was um, kind of the perfect fit. So, and as they pushed to be the only one, um, we said, OK, can't be wrong. And um, we have to admit now it, it's the, the, the news is out, um, but they decided for us and we decided for them quite a while ago. But due to MGA license and the due diligence and build up the, the setup with another holding. Um, so we, we founded a holding in Germany to put all together that because we have a studio in Berlin. We have the Malta entity with the, having the MGA license. We have to restructure that a bit. And who knows about the notaries and the lawyers um, in my, as well in yeah. Germany <laughs> takes time. And due diligence is something we yeah. completely underestimated. So, um, yeah. so the decision yeah, is much a... old. The decision is much older. But um, now everything is done, and we can um, focus on our real work again. Yeah, congratulations uh, so much, Thomas, to uh, to closing the deal with the Yolo Group, and of course, uh, congratulations to Yolo as well. Uh, I'm really looking forward to see you in a couple of weeks in in Tallinn here, uh, Thomas. I know that you are short in time here, so uh, you you have a you have a, a calendar to adhere to. Uh, big good luck at uh, IGB, and uh, uh, again, congratulations. Thank you for joining us here on short notice today, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. See you. Bye. Thank bye. You, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, brilliant, Nico. Very, very interesting uh, uh, to to hear it uh, straight from the horse's mouth uh, uh, here for the uh, for the successful uh, round that they just completed in a very difficult environment, nonetheless. You know, with uh, investors uh, not really um, deploying that much capital at the moment. But uh, congratulations, and, and especially in the German market as well. So uh, interesting to see that uh, investment going through. Uh, I would like to jump yeah, over this... when we are staying. Yeah, this yeah, is... yeah. Go ahead, Nico. Oh, 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 oh. One second. This is just an underlying fact. You know, you just had the um, the podcast with Tim as well. You know, when he was speaking about, okay, he doesn't care about the uh, literally the surroundings as soon or as long as he is convinced uh, of an investment. He just invents, uh, invests, yes. right? And this is just another yes. example uh, why others might ditch out of the market. He just keeps on uh, investing, you know, and this is just another uh, example of his investments, of the YOLO group investments. And fun fact as well, and on a short notice, uh, this 
uh, news has just been released by the Yono Group. So we have been the only ones actually having one of the Apparat guys in the talk as well. So it was just fun to hear their side of the story as well. Look at us, breaking news left, right and center. Uh, you know, from one thing to the other, uh, Henrik, and we can see in the chat today, there's um, uh, some comments around, you know, headwinds in Europe, drawbacks, and uh, it's just a tougher and tougher climate is what we discussed here and earlier on as well. It's, uh, I want to slide in a little bit to um, towards the UK uh, a bit. It's not particularly a topic we have planned for here today, but uh, one of the points that we do have on the agenda today is the fact that um, Premier League is considering to uh, put a ban on gambling-related uh, advertisements, essentially, through the, through the teams. And, uh, you know, just... Before we jump into that, I, I want to, uh, to just mention here, obviously there's a lot of turmoil in the UK at the moment and um, the, the, um, the Gambling Act review was supposed to be launched here now in a couple of weeks. But as we know today, uh, Boris Johnson resigned from government and, uh, and uh, just, um, uh, just the other day as well, the, uh, the gambling minister, Chris Phillip, also resigned as one of the many ministers in the UK who resigned uh, here the other day um, uh, just uh, to kind of put pressure on, on uh, Boris Johnson who then as a follow-up resigned here today as well. And this puts a little bit question of the, the, um, the white paper of the Gambling Act uh, in the UK if it is going to be delayed uh, here. In the, in the letter of resignation uh, to... I'm trying to find it now. I don't have it... Uh, I don't have it right in front of me right now, but um, in the letter of the resignation that uh, Chris Phillip, the gambling minister, published, uh, he was very adamant in this letter to uh, to urge Boris Johnson to um, to to go ahead with the uh, with the uh, with uh, the publishing of the white paper uh, into the Gambling Act, uh, basically. Um, but uh, with all the turmoil that is now taking place, and obviously Boris Johnson himself resigning. Um, I would question if uh, this uh, white paper is going to be further delayed uh, now, uh, and uh, we might not see uh, the, the, this white paper um, being prioritized at this very moment. And uh, something perhaps which gives the uh, gambling industry in the UK at least a little bit breathing room. Although I suppose at some point you want to have clarity in order to operate a business, but um, whatever is going to be contained in this white paper is probably not going to be very positive uh, for the industry. So perhaps a little bit extra breathing room on, on, that, uh, on that space. But nonetheless, uh, Nico, I know that you're sliding back here into the Premier League a potential ban on, on, on uh, gambling sponsorship. This is something the Premier League clubs will vote on um, in, in, the, in the immediate future. And Nico, you had a good point here. It's not exactly a Premier League team. It's um, Stoke, which is in the Championship in the Second League. It's owned by Bet365 Group. And you had uh, some kind of interesting thoughts on, on this, I think. Yeah, so, um, you know, with respect to um, gaming uh, companies, you know, being the shirt sponsor or exclusive partner of uh, Premier League teams, so the overall kind of wish to actually ban um, gaming companies from being involved into uh, Premier League clubs, this ain't new news, right? Uh, you know, we've seen this in other markets. As soon as a, a politician always aims for, yeah, we need to ban uh, XYZ gaming uh, sponsorships uh, within uh, the Bundesliga or the Premier League, these are low-hanging fruits. So this is a discussion which is going on for years. Just uh, take a look at Italy or Spain where um, gaming companies are not allowed to actually sponsor these, these clubs. Uh, and as soon as these headwinds came up the first time, uh, Stoke has just been, you know, relegated from the Premier League down to the championship. And, uh, you know, this, when, this is when the discussion actually started. Like, okay, you know, just, just looking up the Wikipedia page of uh, several Premier League clubs, as well, I was like, okay, uh, you know, they have uh, sponsorships of uh, X, Y, uh, X, Y, Z, um, etc. West Ham, uh, they have been uh, close with Betway. And then all of a sudden you just realize that, you know, uh, Stoke City is owned by Bet365. So if the Premier League clubs actually vote with uh, 14 uh, votes to actually ban 
um, um, gaming companies for advertising in the Premier League uh, clubs um, as soon as Stoke will be uh, able to actually you know, be part of the Premier League once again, I don't, I, I, I just don't have an answer how the 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 overall structure might change at that at that club. You know, if if you're not able to uh, to advertise as a gaming company, how can a gaming company actually own uh, a Premier League uh, club? So this will be uh, very very interesting uh, to actually see. What might be one, you know, also one one fact is. Um, the the money they actually earn from TV sponsorships is insane in the Premier League. You know, they are in the billions, so they actually don't need uh, this extra money from the gaming uh, uh, companies, although it's good money, especially, you know, it's within the millions. But if you get billions uh, from, from the TV stations, uh, of course, uh, probably um, then you um, are, are likely to vote against uh, additional sponsorships from gaming companies. Right. And, and we have a comment here as well from Bob uh, Slotsy is mentioning, uh, you know, as an example, Stake, uh, which um, perhaps to some extent has ignited this um, debate within the Premier League uh, sponsoring Watford and uh, as some of us know, obviously, uh, Stake also announced the sponsorship uh, the shirt sponsorship of Everton um, a couple of weeks uh, ago, which has uh, sparked a lot of controversy within Everton as a club because Everton, uh, prior to this deal, um, publicly stated that they will not uh, attract any new gambling company. And then, obviously, they did a 180 and, and, uh, and confirmed stake as a, as a shirt sponsor, which, uh, according to Everton, was the most lucrative a sponsorship uh, deal, a shirt sponsorship deal that they had set to date. Um, 20,000, there's a petition that's uh, gained 20,000 signatures to cancel this deal. And this has now sparked, obviously, the larger discussion here of, of the gambling ban. So uh, headwinds on this front. And I suppose this kind of leads us into uh, um, a little bit, to some extent, into the next topic, uh, just while we are on the, um, on the discussion of European headwinds. Uh, if we now move over into Germany, Nico, which I know obviously is your home turf here. Uh, the next point that we want to discuss today is uh, the fact that we noticed here the other day something strange. And we had a discussion around this because we just couldn't make sense of it. Uh, it's the fact that you visit Betson.de uh, from outside of Germany. The site looks totally normal. It's operational. It's fine. But if you visit Betson.de in Germany, uh, you are prompted with a message uh, that uh, Betson.de uh, has shut down since back in May, um, more than two months ago, essentially, or about two months ago. Uh, Betson.de had basically shut uh, the doors to, uh, to, uh, to German clients. Um, this has flown under the radar, uh, seemingly. Uh, no, no other uh, kind of news uh, portal has uh, covered this story. It has not been in the German forums. It's not been anything. Can you can you talk a little bit more here, Nico, of uh, what happened? And then obviously during the week we have investigated this topic and we got some comment from Betson as well to to add to this discussion. Yeah, first of, first of all, shout out to uh, Robert Lenzhofer from Hölle Games uh, because he actually he actually found out like, uh, okay, Nico, are you aware of uh, Betson actually shutting down their slots in, in Germany? Because as soon as you just try to Google it, you won't find any, any hits because it's, as you mentioned, it's totally under the radar, first of all, for their slots division and also for their uh, uh, sports book, which they shut down already in um, 2020, as soon as they agreed on a cooperation with the Pro7 uh, Sat1 Media Group and founded Jack One, and even the sports betting um, entity of Jack One, they also shut down in May. So. Out of a sudden, and without any kind of notice, Betson literally left the German market. They, they just left the German market. And of course, you can always state like, yeah, okay, this happens once a while. Um, we've seen um, other companies leaving the German market as well. Kindred uh, left, left the German uh, market. 
um, due to you know the kind of hassle they had with the uh, licensing uh, process, which for sure isn't best of breed um, as of as of now. And fingers crossed, this will uh, this will uh, change because Germany is, and as mentioned by Thomas as well, within the top three markets all over Europe with at least double digits and billions uh, with the handle you can expect in Germany um, as well. So. That's why we have been quite curious why they actually ditched out of the market or sneaked out of the market in stealth mode. Um, and the, um, the, the statement we actually got from, uh, from one of the Betson uh, representatives, um, if I'm not mistaken, Jake got that statement that they are focusing on the RISK casino, spelled R-I-Z-K, um, and they are just in the last um, hurdles of getting uh, the license there. And then they will uh, restart uh, the operations in Germany with the risk, um, exactly, the risk casino uh, offerings. Um, and then they will, uh, they, they still hold the license to operate Sportsbook in, in Germany. And uh, probably they will restart uh, this one um, as well. But uh, one thing we can for sure uh, you know, state is that uh, Germany ain't an easy market. It's not a, a market you can actually um, enter um, with with low money being uh, involved because having Posim and Sand als Media, it's a, a, one of the biggest TV brands we have in, in Germany, and they fully agreed on uh, the Jack One. Fun fact is, we also had been in talks with, uh, with Bad at Best, uh, and the ProSieben uh, group as they wanted to become shareholder in our company as well. Back in 2020, uh, we already had a, a contract literally pretty much agreed on. Then suddenly had to had to focus on, on COVID, uh, the Congress. So uh, it's, it's, it's interesting just to see how, how things evolve. Absolutely. And, and um, I'm just going to read the statement uh, here that uh, basically, uh, uh, and again, uh, um, kudos to Robert Lenshofer for, for being the first person who noticed uh, that uh, the Betsson.de uh, page was not uh, available to German customers anymore. But basically, we reached out to Betsson and um, after about two days, we, we got the reply, uh, basically, as they had not communicated anything to the public markets. So what Betsson said is this. Uh, whilst we have indeed shut down some of our operations in Germany, we are still operating our award-winning horse racing brand RaceBuds, which is licensed, and we are still awaiting license for Risk, our casino offering. This is the strategy for Germany currently. Uh, we also have a license to operate Sportsbook, which means that we can start offering sports betting in Germany in the future. And um, when they mention in the future, they don't really give, go into detail here if this is close to the, the future, is it further into the future, or if it's not decided yet. But um, obviously this statement kind of, uh, kind of asked for more answers. And so our managing editor, Jake, uh, he didn't let this go. He uh, has a follow-up question for Betson. And um, I'm going to see if I can find... So basically... Betson continues here to say that uh, the change on the Betson DE was quite recent in end of April. And the decision was taken as part of our current strategy for Germany. We're hoping to get the license for risk in the near future, but the timing is up to the regulator. The sportsbook license, allowing us to potentially start offering sports betting in Germany in the future, is for Betson. Okay, so uh, essentially the strategy that they will be uh, implementing is uh, they're going in with Risk, uh, the, their casino brand uh, that formerly belonged to GIG back in the day. Uh, that's, the, that's the strategy for Germany. And it's also interesting to note that this is a similar strategy as they have chosen for the UK, where they also withdrew um, almost all the brands within the Betson Group uh, about a year ago. Uh, in order to focus on the risk brand specifically in the UK market. Um, and so similarly now in Germany, they are focusing on the risk brand in this very tough uh, regulated environment. Uh, but then they, they also want to be able to offer sports betting uh, through the Betson brand uh, here as well. Um, interesting. Uh, this is interesting because uh, as a publicly traded company, 
you would have expected uh, communication from Betson to happen earlier. Uh, this is a, a big strategic shift, of course. And uh, when Betson decided to pull their, their brands from the UK and uh, focus on the risk brand in the UK, there was also uh, a press release that was attached to that. So uh, really great work from uh, Robert Lanzhofer to uh, notice this, uh, to let us know. And then great work uh, by uh, Jake Evans, our managing editor, for digging deep into this uh, question, of course, and, and providing some clarity on the, uh, on the plans here for Betson. But um, it's a tough market, as you mentioned, Nico. Uh, Kindred has already redrawn from the German market. If you go to unibet.de, even as a, from a Maltese IP, as I'm sitting on, you get uh, prompted by a message that, uh, uh, that unibet.de has ceased operations, which is not the case if you visit betson.de. So it's a quite, quite interesting dynamics there, Nico. Yeah, and as you, as you already mentioned, so they have uh, in Germany, you can look this up at the RP Darmstadt whitelist for sports bank. So they have different um, URLs they could, they could operate with. So first of all, We Game Limited is the license holder and one of the, or a couple of um, URLs they can, they can offer is Betson.de, Betsafe.de, uh, Jack1.de, Nordicbet.de, and RiskSports.de. So they already have lined up some of some of the URLs, but as you as you mentioned, it it just smells a little bit strange if someone sneaks out of a market, especially if you're a listed company, right? And you don't even give out a press release, right? And at at some point, someone all always finds out. And once again, shout out to the Sherlock Holmes himself, Mr. Robert Lenzhofer. Uh, who actually uh, found out uh, uh, this one. And um, as, as Jack all also experienced, um, they are still continuing to be a little bit quiet on the why uh, they actually, um, they actually um, sneak out of the market. Absolutely, absolutely, Nico. So uh, interesting nonetheless, and, and now the story is out there. I know that uh, there is a story coming on this uh, on our news portal as well, um, shortly as well. So keep an eye out on agumenex.com for you know, more details on this story as we, as we go along here as well. Uh, I would like to jump over to the next topic now as well, which uh, to me is uh, probably the most interesting story of the week here, together with the Betson uh, story, which is... Um, the fact that this morning Antain uh, provided us with a trading update. And uh, if we look at, I'm going to see if I can find the trading, what Antain what is trading at at the moment. Let's see here. So Antain is currently down 6.5% on the stock market, but they were down 12% uh, today after this trading update. Uh, essentially, Antain is, um, is basically, uh, is basically, uh, showcasing a drawback in terms of uh, NGR. They had uh, lost about 7% uh, NGR compared to last year. And the um, question is, of course, why is this uh, drawback happening? And when I say NGR, it's on the online side specifically. So uh, a 7% drawback on, on online compared to the same quarter of last year. And Antain is providing a couple of reasons for this. Uh, they are mentioning the fact that they had to withdraw from Netherlands, of course, as one of the, uh, one of the reasons for this. Uh, they are providing another excuse, which is uh, stricter affordability checks in the UK is, uh, is, is, is another point as well. Tough comparables is another, um, is another point that they are saying that basically one year ago, we still were facing lockdowns uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, obviously now the world has opened up again. And so comparables are, are still quite tough. But... The most interesting point here is the fact that Entain is saying that uh, due to the um, due to the macroeconomic climate, the uh, increasing uh, inflation rates, uh, tougher financial situations for uh, individuals, uh, they are they are choosing this as kind of one of the main points uh, to why they have uh, seen a drawback in in NGR uh, essentially and. Um, this is interesting because uh, we have been discussing whether the gambling industry is recession-proof or not. And um, what Entain is clearly stating here is that uh, they can already now see a clear drawback in certain markets. They are pointing specifically to the Baltics, for example, uh, which have seen 
which are seeing up to about 20% inflation uh, compared to last year. And uh, they are seeing that this is definitely something which is affecting people's spending habits, including uh, the disposable income that, uh, that the customers spend on gambling, uh, essentially. They are saying that other markets, we don't see this drawback in so far. For example, Australia, they have not seen the spending habits change, kind of the average bets and, and so on and so forth. But again, <laughs> European markets, this is where the issue is once again. And I think this is a bit the red thread today is uh, the, the um, headwinds in, in the European markets. Uh, and uh, and Tain is again pointing to the fact that uh, the uh, uh, increasing inflation is uh, something which is causing uh, the revenues to decline uh, essentially here in the, in the Q2. So after this trading update was, um, uh, was done, uh, the markets uh, showed a 12% decrease on the stock market. I'm going to see if we can, maybe I can get this up here. So we can see here, uh, basically a 12.5% down on the week. Uh, now, during the course of this half an hour, which we have spoken in this, um, in this live stream, uh, they have regained a couple of percentage points uh, here, but still uh, they are significantly down on the markets. And if we zoom out even further here and look at an Entain trading update from the last five years, um, we can see this kind of like camelback, uh, if you will, um, where after the pandemic uh, started, as many other uh, publicly traded companies saw, especially in the gambling industry, uh, a big uptick uh, all the way through to halfway through 2021, and then a steep decline, which we are now seeing. And... Uh, we are kind of normalizing the evaluations of the, the uh, gambling companies to how the industry looked like just before the pandemic. So the valuations are again coming down to those same levels, down about 50 to 60% in, uh, in most cases. So, uh, so, so, so this, is the, this is the story. And, and um, because of this trading update, this also pulled down the likes of Evolution, which was down about 4% today. I think even further, they, they were they were down. Let's let's see, let's see. They were down about. Uh, they, they were down quite a lot actually. They were down uh, about ten percent even. Uh, evolution today. No, am I looking at this wrong? Uh, let's see. Here. Yeah, they they were down a couple of percentage points nonetheless. I'm uh, I'm having issues here with my software next to me, but uh, eight 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 similarly as well. Eight 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 saw a drawback too on the um, on the markets today. Um, which we can see here, uh, 888 is down about 12.4% on the markets this week. Uh, and the expectation is, of course, that uh, if uh, Ntain is, um, is showcasing a drawback, uh, then the expectation is, of course, that other operators will have a tough uh, quarter as well uh, in Q2 to be announced. So um, those are some insights there. Is so anything, Nico, uh, that comes to mind here throughout this conversation? Yeah, so uh, first of all, what comes uh, into mind is uh, the last acquisition they announced uh, when they literally stated that they bought into or bought back into the Dutch market with the acquisition of uh, uh, City uh, and L uh, with a deal worth um, up to 850 uh, million euros, if I'm not uh, mistaken. And if you just take a look at the uh, stock market price, um, pre one week prior, they actually, um, you know, kind of announced the deal where they have been traded around uh, 1,400, whatever, and now they are down to 1,000. So it's uh, a nearly loss of 40 percent, uh, 38, 40 uh, percent. And this just shows that, you know, numbers in the stock market usually don't lie, uh, that, uh, you know, the um the the first of all the actual uh, share uh, shareholders probably don't believe in the acquisition of bad city uh, or and or the overall market doesn't buy the story you know investing this heavily into a uh, into um into one specific specific market i'm pretty sure if they would have invested the, the same amount or double the amount in the us everybody would have literally gone crazy like yeah that's the market to go uh the us is the golden nugget uh this is the the lord uh, the land of the lord etc you know we we had all these kind of 
craziness in the US, uh, US, US market. But it seems like, you know, the old fashioned market in, in Europe, um, then your stock, uh, stock price is just on the verve of going down, which we can see uh, for, for NT. Absolutely, Nicole. So interesting story developing on that front. And this is, uh, you know, the tough comparables is the, is, the, is the story here. Because when the pandemic broke out, you know, the, the publicly traded company did not really give warnings uh, to the uh, shareholders that uh, these are exceptional times. We can't expect this type of growth quarter for quarter. You know, things like this. They were instead painting the story that this is, um, this is kind of organic growth that is taking place of the industry now. And, uh, now we see kind of um, the industry coming back to normal again. And uh, instead we hear, you know, tough com comparables now, which, uh, which is compared to uh, these conditions when there was lockdowns and so on. And so investors perhaps did not expect this drawback to happen because of the language that was used in previous quarterly reports. But another, um, another organization that has not been doing very well in the last, uh, in the last year, just like just like the market overall is, is 888. And uh, I want to slide into that story uh, now, essentially, which is um, the fact that uh, 888 is, is currently going through this uh, reverse uh, um, merger, essentially, uh, where they are taking on the um, international business of William Hill. And in order to finance this deal, you know, the, the, um, the market cap of 888 is only standing at about 700 million. Uh, pound, uh, but um, I can't I can't remember by heart now. But the the deal basically to acquire William Hill was uh, essentially is essentially bigger than the uh, market cap of of eighty eight was standing at. And in order to finance this deal, uh, they have basically agreed to a one billion pound bond uh, together with uh, J P Morgan and Morgan Stanley. Uh, and uh, this was a way then to close the deal and uh, take on uh, William Hill assets. And I know that William Hill and 888, they did a big summer party here in Malta just uh, the, the other week where they're kind of celebrating that they are stronger together. And um, so the, the merger is absolutely taking place at the moment. Um, but uh, the, there's now issues arising, not exactly within the 888 and William Hill deal, but uh, the funding by the banks uh, are in... in in a bit of an issue right now for JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley. And just as a disclaimer here, okay, I am absolutely not a, a financial expert, so I'm hoping to explain this uh, decently enough. And Nico, feel free here to interrupt if I'm uh, if I'm not on point here. But essentially, uh, how the how the bond is structured is is that JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley basically guarantees this uh, loan to take place, so this bond essentially. Uh, and what uh, JP Morgan and uh, Morgan Stanley is trying to do is to sell the debt. Uh, they don't want to hold this debt themselves, so they, they try to sell it to investors, essentially. And that's why it's called a bond and not a loan, because a bond is essentially a loan between private uh, investors and, and companies. Um, but the issue is that because of the difficult uh, macroeconomic climate, it's a uh, it's uh, showing itself difficult for JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley to sell the debt. Uh, and so this means that when it's difficult to sell debt, uh, is that they have to basically sell it at a discount, uh, which means that they, um, uh, JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley uh, could face uh, big losses on this, uh, on this debt sale, uh, essentially. Um, do you have any more insight on, on, on this, uh, Nico? Like I said, I'm, very, I'm trying yeah. to understand this story myself. <laughs> All good, you know, uh, especially with the information we can actually actually get is uh, kind of hard uh, to, you know, um, actually value the deal itself. So um, as you totally correctly um, already already mentioned, they so the overall deal size was uh, 1.9 or 1.8 billions. Uh, billion euros, so at least double the size of the market cap of um, 888. So they needed to get money somewhere or some somehow. So uh, then you can initiate a bond. A bond, as you as you mentioned, is uh, is a promise for the future. 
uh, when someone lending you money will get, um, you know, a prize for the money they actually lended, uh, lended, lended you. Um, I don't know the internal interest rate, which should also uh, be very, very interesting. We, we can't find it in the news as of now, right? So usually the underwriting parties, as you mentioned, uh, JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley, they take it on their own own books, first of all, and then they resell it to, to investors. Um, as of now, um, they offer a yield rate. Yield rate is the rate or the premium you offer the investors for buying back their uh, their their, uh, their their debts, and as of now, the yield is uh, um, valued with at least ten percent. Besides this uh, yield of ten percent, they already keep roughly seven hundred fifty million of this one billion bond on their own books, and they initially wanted to sell each and everything. So 1 billion for sale. And they were like, okay, so as we can't, can't find an investor or investing parties wanting to have the 1 billion, we will keep three quarters on our own books, which is yeah. an indication of uh, didn't work out as planned. And as of now, they are offering a yield of 10, 10% and they want to buy back in 2026 or 2027 so it's a it's a bond with an um, with a length of uh, five to to six uh, years, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Sorry, four to five years. Uh, so le someone lending you money and the yield is ten percent. So after four to five years, you will give him ten percent more of he actually pays uh, for for this one. So this is where the bank uh, banks could lose big on the eight 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 debt sale. That's pretty right. much from from the information which I could could get my, get my hands on. As said, uh, I didn't get the uh, interest rate, the dividends they wanted to pay on a yearly basis, which you can can also do uh, when handing out uh, a bond. Uh, so we just have to read in between the lines. But what we can already read is that you know keeping three quarters. Uh, of the overall deal on your own books just indicates that you didn't find uh, any investors at all yet. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. And um, uh, again, it goes to paint the picture of a very, very shaken up uh, financial world at the moment uh, on a macro level, uh, of course, and what this will mean for future investors and so on will be interesting to see. Uh, Nico, final point today. Uh, I want to uh, talk about the fact that uh, Kindred is now launching, relaunching in the Netherlands market. Now, uh, for those of you guys who remember, obviously, uh, end of September, you could call it the Black Day or whatever you want to call it, where uh, from one day to the other, obviously, Kindred had to shut um, seize operations in Netherlands uh, before they got the, uh, the license approved in the Netherlands market. This caused from one day to the other, a 35% loss of EBITDA uh, for the entire Kinder group. Enormous uh, uh, backlash in Kinder, of course, and uh, this uh, hurt the company on the stock markets, and um, they have continued to fall since that day. Uh, that was the peak of, of Kinder's share price, was kind of like the, the 26th of September or somewhere along those lines. Um, and... Uh, now they uh, have managed to regain the license, but the issue now, of course, is that they have to start from scratch. They are not allowed to use the uh, previous uh, database that they have built up over the last 20 years in, in the Netherlands. They have to start from scratch. So all old customers, they have to register a new account. Kindred is not allowed to use the emails for marketing. They have to start from scratch. And... Um, Kindred uh, are no strangers in operating in difficult regulated environments. They are, they are strong in, in the UK. They are strong in Scandinavia. And uh, now, of course, they are looking to rebuild themselves in the Netherlands market. And uh, in order to do this, they have, um, they have launched a quite aggressive uh, marketing campaign uh, here, essentially, in order to kind of regain uh, old customers. Uh, uh, they announced a partnership with Ajax, the, the, the famous Dutch football club. They are now introducing uh, 10 euro free bets. Uh, they, they are introducing 200 free spins to, uh, to new customers, um, 40 euro in, in live casino uh, uh, chips. 
and uh, a 25,000 euro uh, giveaway. And we can expect uh, this kind of aggressive marketing from Kindred in order to restart the market. But the question is, how long will it take for Kindred to be profitable? Uh, I wonder if investors are aware of the fact that um, just because they are restarting in the Netherlands does not mean that they now will become profitable from day one. It will take time to, of course, uh, reach uh, EBITDA uh, positive state in this market. And I'm really curious to see how uh, the Q3 numbers particularly will look uh, in, the, uh, in, in the Netherlands market when Kindred announces this in a couple of months. Um, what do you think, Nico? Yeah, so uh, first of all, and uh, uh, just repeating what, what you've just said, and we discussed this uh, already as soon as they needed to uh, actually step out of the market, they lost uh, up to 35% EBITDA. It's not revenues, it's EBITDA. So it's even more significant than just uh, losing revenues. It's yes. uh, So it's a different, different pairs of, of shoes. And uh, uh, another fact is, um, while they needed to sideline themselves um, from the Dutch market, all other companies actually have been able to, you know, um, sign on the the user uh, basis. So they they the others have a head start of at least nine months, and yeah. this is why they now need to invest um, heavily into marketing campaigns, gain back the you know the trust of the uh, customers. Make them aware of okay, this is uh, once again Kindred, uh, a brand I'm very familiar with. Because um, you know, regaining a customer which actually signed up for a different uh, different brand is pretty much cost intensive. Um, so it ain't it ain't easy, and that's why their uh, spendings uh, will be will be huge. Uh, and um, yeah, we will just see how the Q3 numbers will actually uh, turn out. Um, and and how it actually and how it will actually actually look like that. There's one example from a, a company which invested heavily into uh, a new market. It has been Caesars in in New York. Maybe a different pairs of shoes because they have never been live in New York. But they also had to cut uh, to cut their costs uh, for their marketing campaigns. And if you just read through all the headlines, it's always. Kindred investing massively into the Dutch market. We will we'll just see, as you mentioned, Q3 numbers will be interesting to see. Q3 and Q4. Absolutely, absolutely, uh, Nico. And uh, this is the exciting time now again, because now earnings season is starting. Uh, we are past Q2. We'll start to see reports popping in. And that will make these uh, calls all the more exciting here as we go forward. It is a little bit like March Madness uh, in the, over in the US, where the basketball teams uh, compete against each other. It's a little bit like Super Bowl, um, or maybe a mix between the both. But the reporting season is uh, definitely my favorite time of the year. Uh, so uh, we're going to look forward to start seeing these reports uh, popping in here again. So that would be exciting to, to follow up on. But before that, Nico, it's been on. Absolute pleasure here, as per, per usual, to, to spend this hour together with you. Really interesting things going on, as per usual. It's been great to, uh, to follow up on these stories and to, uh, and to research these stories with you, as per always this week. Um, always, always a big thank you to the audience for chiming in and for uh, giving us some good insights and comments here as well. And I suppose, Nico, it's time uh, to, uh, to head down to the beach for a little pina colada. Yeah, to to join you in the uh, uh, in the in the red face club you're mentioning. So, <laughs> I'm more the northern type of guy, you know. 25, 26 degrees is just my type of weather. I'm I'm feeling very very comfortable, all good, and uh, yeah, just looking forward to it. And one one uh, one more fact, uh, as this just you know. Um, breaking news which just hit the hit the news as well uh touching down on what you've just said about uh, how you know tough the uk market actually is uh on a short note and as we are pretty much uh, already uh, exceeding the time bed at home their uk license has been so uh, suspended by the uh commission as they're undertaking uh, a review and um they are stating that specifically um um, sorry, bed at home might have fallen short on re social responsibility and anti-money laundering failings 
both listed as key consideration in the sus suspension decision. And this just highlights that, uh, you know, we've always uh, been speaking about um, authorities uh, taking a stand, uh, you know, securing the market, taking care of uh, social responsibility, AML restrictions are taken care of. As of now, they are literally um, fining companies, suspending licenses, even for tier one, tier two operators. And this just uh, shows how tough the market actually is and how um, much money you as an operator need to invest uh, actually to be part of the market. The entry barriers for uh, markets in Europe are quite significant and quite high. Absolutely. Interesting insight there that is uh, popping up here uh, right in the middle of the live stream uh, as well. That is news breaks. Uh, thank you for that, Nico. And uh, also just a thank you to our sponsors as well, Place on Simpler, for keeping us active here each week. Uh, we really appreciate that. For everyone who is over in, in, um, in, at IDB in, uh, in Holland at the moment, uh, in Amsterdam, uh, take care of each other, stay safe, have fun, but not too fun. <laughs> yes, we are in Amsterdam. Okay. Uh, and we will see you here next week again. Thank you so much, Nico. Okay. Thank you. Bye.